So it is important that we nurture, have a very clear vision. We have a clear vision for our external life, about the comforts that we want to have, the achievements that we want to create. But let us have a spiritual vision for our inner state of being. That becomes the very foundation on which you can build a beautiful life. Hey, it's Jeff, and welcome to Commune, a global wellness community and online course platform featuring some of the world's greatest teachers. We are on a mission to inspire, heal, pass down wisdom, and bring the world closer together. This is the Commune Podcast, where each week I do my very best to explore these ideas and practices that help us live this healthy, connected, and purpose-filled life. You can check out our courses, our community, and everything we do at one commune.com. So this week, I'm walking my little munchkin, Mike, at a school, and we're at the crosswalk, and we're just about to gallop across the street when this black SUV barrels through the intersection. Immediately, my parental hackles are up. I grip the apple in my hand like a baseball, my fingers instinctively searching for the laces, and freeze. I have two choices here. I can hurl a series of expletives at the car in front of a number of children and parents. You mofo, how dare you endanger my child? I'm going to slash your tiles and the tires of your progeny. Even more severe, I could wind up and throw a fastball with my Granny Smith and surely splatter apple guts all over the back window of this SUV. I was a pitcher in high school and I still got it. Or I could take a breath. I could kneel down and hug my little one and tell her to always be super careful crossing the street. I could be grateful of a tragedy averted, of the miracle that out of subatomic particles and quarks and hadrons, this unlikely beautiful complex organism who is playing Miss Hannigan in the school play is alive and well and on this planet, and that she still wants to go to sleep in mom and dad's bed, and that we share a deep and infinite love. That is what my guest on the show today, Pritaji, would call living in a beautiful state, a higher state of consciousness and connection that can be cultivated in each and every one of us. The idea that we cannot control what life might throw at us, losing your job, sustaining an injury, getting cut off in traffic, even losing a loved one. But we can control how we respond to it. And we can do this through discovering and cultivating skills. Can you imagine existing in this beautiful state where your response to life's vicissitudes is gratitude? Pritaji's new book, The Four Sacred Secrets, will guide us there. Pritaji, with her husband Krishnaji, are the founders of O&O Academy, a philosophy and meditation school for the transformation of human consciousness. They lead tens of thousands of students in pursuit of this transformation. They produce a number of annual festivals, including the upcoming Acom World Peace Festival, and they are the creators of SoulSync, a meditation method to manifest your intentions. Today, on the show, in advance of her upcoming course on Commune, I speak with the beautiful and serene Pritaji. In the functional level, I would say that I am a transformational leader, the founder of Oino Academy, the author of The Four Sacred Secrets. At an emotional level, I am a mother to a 15-year-old daughter, a friend and a partner and a wife to my husband. I'm a friend and a mentor to all the faculty in the academy and a mentor to 
thousands of people whom I come across in my life. And right. at the consciousness level, I am everything that has gone before me. Now you are um, a guide or a mentor to many, many people. And you help people awaken and find consciousness. Has this always been the case? Have you always felt this deep level of connection to others? From the time I've been a young child, if I have to look at one quality of mine that is worth talking, it is the experience of connection that I have with people. I feel I felt very connected when I was young to the people around me. And for a long time, I thought that is the way the world lived. I thought everybody was deeply connected to everybody else. But then when I was nine or so, I, I saw that it is not the way the world is experiencing each other. But connection has been something that comes natural to me and that's something that I uh, nurture. And this experience of connection that I have, have had got strengthened more with the experience that I share with Krishnaji, my husband. And this feeling of inseparability and connection, is that central to cultivating the beautiful state? When we are in a suffering state, it could be a state of anxiety, of fear, of loneliness, of insecurity, of hurt. Any state of stress, any state where you are in suffering, in that state, you are separate from people and life. You could be angry, fighting for justice. You could be in a state of fear, where you're constantly projecting a painful future. Or you could be experiencing loneliness, where you feel separate from everybody else. But one quality that underlies any suffering state is separation. It is important that you are able to dissolve that suffering state as and when it arises for you to cultivate a beautiful state. Mm -hmm. And in that beautiful state, you are not separate, you are not alienated, but instead you expand to include others. When you are in a state of loneliness or insecurity, you could be amidst many people around you, but you are not awake to it. You're not alive to it. Uh, in a state of a state of loneliness, I, I would say is not an absence of company, but it is a state where you feel disconnected from everything else around you. Mm. So one quality of a suffering state is a state of disconnection. And when you experience, when you're able to dissolve these suffering states, when you experience peace, joy, calm, in that state, you feel more connected to life. You feel expanded. You're being present. Hmm. It seems, though, that modern society, particularly modern Western society, which is so <clears throat> mired in individual materialism, um, makes us easy hosts, easy prey for feelings of isolation and atomization, fracturedness, separation, whatever you want to call it. Um, that literally this notion of success, of happiness is portrayed um, 
by a house with a picket fence around it, you know? Um, this has started in the 1950s here in the United States, kind of the last time we had any kind of sense for a common destiny or common good was sort of undermined by this, you know, decade and this generation that's led to 70 years now of individual materialism that has essentially riddled the modern condition, particularly in the West. How do we then cultivate first the awareness of feeling separated um, and then actually cultivate the ability to foster connection? If you look at the world around us, Jeff, you know, when I meet people, most of them are struggling. And they really do not know what they're doing with life. They do not know what they're doing, why they're doing, why they're in a relationship, why they have children, what is their purpose. They're lost, many of them. I would say most of them. We have this wrong belief that once you find achievement, say 10 years later or 20 years later, then you would become happy one fine day. But you are fueling the state of unhappiness. You are fueling the state of suffering constantly. That even after you have achieved, you really do not know how to be happy. Because that's not what you have prepared yourself for. You are nurturing, uh, you are fueling states of anger, fear, of loneliness. And that continues even after you have achieved. It is only two kinds, people who have made it and people who have not made it in life. People who have made it in life are anxious of losing everything that they've made. And people who are not made it in life yet are fearing if their aspirations would be realized or not. The same, it is the same anxiety, whether you've made it in life, whether you're successful or not. But what I'm seeing in my travel globally is people are looking for a different solution. Mm-hmm. People are coming to see that they are moving their lives towards greater destruction and greater disorder, and they want to find a solution. And I'm seeing many, many more people like that. For Krishnaji and me, having a transformed state of consciousness is not the end all of life, nor is having all the wealth and comforts the be all of life. Uh, Krishnaji puts it this way. He says, um, we need to be a Buddha driving a Benz. (laughs) (laughs) That is our vision for our uh, our participants, our students across the world. Mm. We want an individual who lives in a transformed state of consciousness, at the same time experience a beautiful family, abundance with effortless ease, and And we see that when you are in a beautiful state, in a state where you are not separate, we see that the entire universe comes to support you on your heartfelt purpose. Mm -hmm. The more separate you are, you see that the universe is hostile to you, where you see constant problems and challenges mounting in your life. But the more connected you are, you feel the universe is your friend. So the vision is for an individual to live in a transformed state of consciousness and experience a great external life. Mm -hmm. 
actually what is happening is we are attached we are obsessed about our emotions hmm. we are attached to our anger we are attached to our hurt we are attached to our loneliness we are attached to our fear what Krish- what krishna ji and i speak is not detachment from material things but if you are able to detach yourself from your obsessive emotions hmm. then you would be in a you would be a buddha you would be experiencing deeper calm deeper peace at the same time you would be creating a beautiful life not only for yourself for your family and you would be actually uh, improving the lives of so many other people around you yeah it's almost like we're addicted to this state of suffering because it provides us some sort of familiar comfort absolutely like oh i know that anger i know that jealousy i know that desire i feel comfortable there because i can just keep going back to that even though in some ways it's our undoing and it keeps us from finding ease and contentment absolutely i always share this fable there are two women one selling fish and the other selling flowers and they both go to the market sell their respective products and they're getting back home and it begins to rain so the fish seller fish seller decides to spend the night at the flower seller's home and then as uh, they have dinner together and they go to sleep and in the middle of the night the fish seller is very uncomfortable so uh, she moves from one side to the other side she tosses and then finally she says okay let me see what is disturbing me she looks around and she sees a basket full of jasmine flowers very close to her and they're fresh jasmine flowers and then immediately she's able to identify her problem she pushes the basket full of flowers away from her she pulls or draws the basket full of dried fish very close to her she sprinkles a little water on it takes a deep breath and feels totally comfortable with it and goes goes back to sleep that is what we are doing we are very comfortable <laughs> with the smell of dry fish <laughs> our dry fish is our anger is our hurt is our loneliness is our sadness is our insecurity and then we are so comfortable being there it has become our home it is a place of familiarity and we are addicted to it and we get back to it again and again sometimes when there is a change in the external environment sometimes when there is challenge in the external environment but in many cases what i observe is even when there is no need right and i think you know you make an interesting point about the nature of problems you're not saying that problems don't exist absolutely um every species experiences a pressured situation the plant is the plant is experiencing a pressured situation the insects are the animal kingdom is but we are very unique human species is very unique we have the unique capability of internalizing the external pressure and then we go on with it for days and sometimes years and decades together we live in that inner dialogue so what we make is a clear distinction with the challenges that we face and the continuation that happens internally the challenges are challenges there are problems but we begin to obsess about ourselves we begin to continue this inner dialogue over and over again and this is what we call as suffering hmm. the, so let me give you like a practical real life example sure. so let's say <clears throat> would be hard for me to lose my job because I'd have to fire myself but I might do that someday in fact that's actually the purpose of a leader is to probably fire himself but let's say 
I got fired from my job. Now that's, that's a problem, right? It might be a problem for my family. I can't provide the way I'd like for them. Um, might be a problem for my ego, but let's not talk about him. Um, but it is a real life problem. But if I understand you correctly, I could approach that problem from two different places, from a place of suffering or from the beautiful state. Yes. So we have a problem. You're losing your job. The problem is to find, definitely to find another source of income by which you're able to support your family and make sure that they are taken care well. That is a practical problem. But your focus probably is not limited to the practicality of that particular problem. If you bring attention internally, there would be a constant dialogue where you probably are in anger with the boss. You're feeling he did not listen to you properly. He, you probably feel that what has been done to you is not just or there is this feeling of constantly projecting what is going to happen to my family, why am I put in this situation, why am I given this, um, why was I put in this, con this situation where I have to face this in my life. If you are able to observe yourself, that inner dialogue is an engrossment with yourself. It is not about the situation, it's not even about the family. It is an engrossment with yourself. If we have around 12 to 60,000 thoughts, that's what a, a human being would have, 12 to 60,000 thoughts, 12,000 to 60,000 thoughts a day, out of which 80% is old. And out of the 80%, 80% is negative in nature. That is... A large part of our lives, we are living with old thinking, old habitual, and thinking that is engrossed with ourselves, thinking that doesn't actually create any value to our lives. Is the beautiful state, is, is that about being in the present moment or is it essentially finding an awareness of your suffering and and the ability to stop brooding over the past and misprojecting into the future a beautiful state is a state where you are present it is a state where you are free of your inner conflict your inner noise and it is a state where you feel expanded beyond yourself. Mm. In a beautiful state, you dissolve the suffering that is arising within you. You bring attention to it. You bring awareness to it. And that state of suffering you see very clearly is an engrossment with yourself. And it is a state which is separating you from others. And then in that awareness, you nurture a beautiful state of connection where you feel expanded to include others in your life. But we tend to wildly fluctuate between suffering and that state. We don't have the skills per se to consistently access it. 
because we have not been taught that it is important to live in a beautiful state what we have been taught so far is that we need to achieve in life we need to be successful we need to have all the abundance and prosperity so that people will respect us and we will be looked upon or the society will accept us that is what we have been taught ever since we were children and i think we continue to do that to our children we have not been taught that it is important to live and nurture a beautiful state in one's being and since we do not bring attention to what you are, what is fueling within you it is like you're just putting everything under the carpet thinking that what you're experiencing is just within you and it is not impacting your life but the truth is we are not separate and isolated individuals and what happens within us we are connected to the mm-hmm. universe yeah. though there are mirror neurons which makes us feel that we are very separate but at the level of consciousness we are not separate so our state of being is in direct communion with the universe so when you are in a suffering state you're telling the universe that i am open to problems when you are in a beautiful state your universe becomes your friend and supports you mm-hmm. i feel the lack of education is is probably the most important factor for the current state of our lives as individuals and the world yeah and i assume that is part of the motivation behind writing a book absolutely yes um the vision behind the four sacred secrets is to to help individuals become buddha driving a benz okay. along with their loved ones yeah. in the four sacred secrets we shared the four sacred secrets that will help you discover a beautiful state and also help you nurture that beautiful state in life we have written it krishna ji and i have written it as a journey so it is a journey for the individual who picks the book mm-hmm. and what are the core components of that journey i mean there's secrets yeah. i'm not sure you can tell me i can tell you thank you <laughs> it is a secret to be shared <laughs> fair enough <laughs> the first sacred secret is a uh, spiritual vision where you you are able to redefine your purpose and experience deep inner clarity The second sacred secret is inner truth where you are able to dissolve the stressful states as and when it arises and experience beautiful states. The third sacred secret is accessing the universal intelligence that is we are more than what we think we are we are part of this unitary fabric of life the entire universe and there is a way to access this universal intelligence so the third sacred secret teaches you to access the universal intelligence so that you manifest your heartfelt purpose the fourth sacred secret is um spiritual right action we are constantly faced in our lives with the ongoing theme or the ongoing dilemma of saying whether to say yes or no whether to say let's be together or let's separate or let us push or pull we are constantly faced with these dilemmas and it has become the ongoing theme of our life so this fourth sacred secret gives you a blueprint 
so that you would know what would be your right action at a given point of time. Mm. Mm. It is not an action that is coming from a scripture, but it is an action that emerges from your state. You you don't want for anything. I mean, you could easily connect with tens of thousands of people um, in India and Chennai where you've built an unbelievable... Um, I mean, I don't know what you call it. Acom. Acom. Or, yeah, you call it Acom. The mystic powerhouse. Yeah. <laughs> um, and maybe, you know, and, and you have many festivals that... Um, that you produce and lead, um, the Peace Festival, which is also coming up, and maybe we could talk about that too. But I guess my deeper question is, why are you doing this? The more smiles I see, greater is a life that feels very fulfilling. A purpose emerges from being able to feel and connect to other people. And uh, when I see or when I am working with the people in any of the programs, I see the transformation that happens not as limiting to that one individual alone. Mm -hmm. I see it being carried forward in many, many, many generations. Yeah. I'm reading a book by Viktor Frankl. It's a book that many people have read, Man's Search for Meaning. Um, he says that man finds meaning in three places, in work, in love, and in suffering. So he's coming from, from a very specific point of view. Um, obviously, he, he was someone who survived the concentration camps um, in Germany during World, World War II. And you can see the depravity so clearly and deeply in marching people into crematoriums and gas chambers. At the same time, that very same experience also produced people that could walk into those same gas chambers with their head held high and full of dignity and finding a sense of meaning inside of that suffering. Is there meaning in suffering? If you... Put a torchlight on suffering, not as problems, not as challenges. I make a clear distinction there between problems and challenges that we face in life with the state of suffering. If we have to put a torchlight into that state of suffering, it is a state which separates us. It is a state in which you're preoccupied with yourself you are engrossed with yourself. And from a suffering state, when you are in this preoccupation, when you are self-engrossed from that state, your actions actually create motivation. What can cause greater good to this world is when you are in a state of connection, where you're feeling what the other is feeling, or where you're including others' well-being along with your own, or you are experiencing life with the awareness that human experiences are not different, that we feel the same. 
our love our joy our fear our anxiety the experience yes. is just the same when you're able to be in that state when you feel expanded when you include that happens only when there is no suffering only when you are not engaged with yourself only when you are not engrossed with yourself and actions that emerge from that place is going to be nurturing not only to you and your life it's going to be nurturing to anybody around you because you do not separate yourself from the other mm-hmm. it is not another ideal that i'm trying to give give you but it is it is where what if you're able to see that whenever you are not whenever you're not suffering whenever mm-hmm. that engrossment with yourself breaks you're able to be alive to life yeah and are there practices that you can utilize or that you utilize in order to create a a greater sense of connection there is the soul sync practice which allows your body to relax and allows you to experience a state of expansion which has a small window where you feel beyond yourself feeling connected to the universe there is a practice that is available for anyone and everyone it is called the soul sync practice it is a 9 minute practice but there is also another practice the serene mind practice any time and every time you experience an inner disturbance to bring attention to that inner disturbance instead of putting it down in the carpet and allowing it to brew there actually bring attention to it and weed it out of your consciousness as an individual if you are looking at creating a better life i would say begin with weeding out all that is driven by separation and one last question for you personally yes do you ever live in a state of suffering absolutely yes i so you're not you're not always 100% connected no. i would always any the i i receive this question again and again but i would say go ask my daughter <laughs> <laughs> mom <laughs> no you're not going to be angry now you're raising your voice <laughs> i've never heard you raise your voice <laughs> it happens it happens only with my daughter and sometimes <laughs> with krishnaji so uh, yes definitely i do get angry i do move into suffering states but having this wisdom i know very clearly it is important for me to walk out of them hmm. so i do not spend a long time in those suffering states it is important for me to nurture a beautiful state if i have to be a wonderful mother or a great teacher or a person who's actually help or a person who's actually capable of helping another mm-hmm. so in a suffering state disconnect so i don't like to be there so we walk yeah. out of it <laughs> yeah i mean i think in my own life on my own uh, connected journey it's not my own journey i suppose um i think what i suffer from the most is almost the discipleship to my own internal wisdom where i know that when i am connected 
I am at ease and I'm content. Uh, I know that. Intellectually, I know that. I know that on a soul level. Um, but I don't always have the discipline. And I think of discipline as the same sort of word as very connected to disciple or discipleship. I don't have the discipleship or the discipline to my own self, to my own eternal and internal knowledge to consistently every day, every second of every day, live from my infinite soul, from this connected place, um, from a place of love and compassion and charity and empathy. Um, I spend, as you say, a good chunk of my day mired in my ego, you know, which tells me that I am what people think of me. You know, I am in competition with others. I'm separate from others. I am my resume. I am separate from God. All these things that, you know, life makes it very easy to live there. Um, how do I work on my own discipline? As I told you earlier, Jeff, what is lacking in the civilization is the wisdom that it is important to nurture a beautiful state. Mm -hmm. That your state is not only experienced within you as an individual, but your state actually impacts the life around you. And with this understanding, with this wisdom, any time and every time you move into a disturbing state where you're feeling uncomfortable within your own skin, it is important that you bring attention to it. Life is overwhelming for us. Mm -hmm. We need, we probably have a lot of to-do list and we feel this one, the state of being comes the last. But the reality is the state of being comes the first because dependent on your state are, is the choices that you would make, the emotions that you would experience, the thoughts that you would have, and the actions that you would perform, and the destiny that you would create for yourself and your loved ones. Unfortunately, we, are, we, we put this the last because we do not realize the power of the state. Knowing that in that state of connection, you become immensely powerful to impact another life. Mm -hmm. And knowing that state of separation actually takes you, robs you out of that power that you can experience, must push you into seeing your suffering state and dissolving it as and when it arises. Because if you do not bring attention to it, we would become the fisherwoman. Mm -hmm. We would become the fisherwoman who's very comfortable in the states of anxiety and stress, and we live in it. And the more you are in it, the more difficult it is for you to get out of these states. So it is important that we nurture, have a very clear vision. We have a clear vision for our external life, about the comforts that we want to have, the achievements that we want to create. But let us have a spiritual vision for our inner state of being. That becomes the very foundation on which you can build a beautiful life. Mm, that's good. Thank you for doing this. Thank, Thank you for you. your teachings, your tireless travel. Thank you. Uh, I, I love being at Commune. I love doing the teaching there. It's so beautiful. And I appreciate your sincere efforts in wanting to create a difference in this world. Thank, Thank you. you. Likewise. God bless you.
Thank you for listening to today's show. If you're interested in learning more about Prita Ji and her teachings, Commune is launching her course, Live in a Beautiful State. Just go to onecommune.com for more information. And of course, you can buy her book, The Four Sacred Secrets, for Love and Prosperity, A Guide to Living in a Beautiful State. I would love to hear directly from you about the show. Any suggestions or comments you might have, bring them on. Email me at jeffk at onecommune.com. That's my email address, jeffk at onecommune.com. Thanks again for tuning in, and I'll see you next week. Thank you.